Yeah, and so culture is something that everyone kind of feels and understands, but nobody's been able to measure it accurately until now. And so the problem with the last 10 years is people made the mistake to think that culture could be measured by an engagement survey. The problem is engagement surveys are not culture. Um, engagement surveys tell you if your employees are happy or sad, but Microsoft and Apple every year, every quarter does an engagement survey and they actually come out with the same exact results from the same exact company they use. That 50% that of people are super engaged and happy, 25% it's just a job and 25% people are dis disillusioned because maybe they thought they were getting free product, right? Well, Apple and Microsoft could not have more different cultures, yet an engagement survey, if you believed it, would say that they have the same culture. An engagement survey does not tell you if you have the right people in the right jobs to achieve the strategy you're trying to support. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about culture. You know, culture is not a new thing. It actually has emerged, uh, you know, over the past few years with uh, more power than ever before. And HR has taken over sort of the leading role of helping organizations architect or shape cultures that help them increase employee experience, engagement, attract uh, more talented uh, professionals and keep them in their companies. So this idea and this concept of uh, corporate culture is not new, but now has become much more important than it ever was in the past. Now, one of the questions that uh, has been emerging very often during the conversations around culture is, how do we even measure what we're doing? If our culture is right, what are the kinds of initiatives and, and strategies and practices that we need to put in place in the workplace in order for uh, our culture to be good enough? to achieve all of those things that I mentioned before. So today we are going to be chatting with somebody who has been in the space of culture uh, for a long time, not only with his own startup, but also as a consultant and putting ideas and technology and measurement and data around all things culture out there. So Juan, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Enrique. Well, it's, uh, it's great to have you with me today. And uh, let's just dive right into the topic of, of culture. Uh, to begin with, you know, I think everybody has you know, somewhat of an understanding of what culture is. But in your words, based on your work and experience, what's culture? You know, what, how, how would you define it? Yeah, and, and so culture is something that everyone kind of feels and understands, but nobody's been able to measure it accurately until now. And so the problem with the last 10 years is people made the mistake to think that culture could be measured by an engagement survey. The problem is engagement surveys are not culture. Um, engagement surveys tell you if your employees are happy or sad, but Microsoft and Apple every year, every quarter does an engagement survey and they actually come out with the same exact results from the same exact company they use. That 50% that of people are super engaged and happy, 25% it's just a job and 25% people are dis disillusioned because maybe they thought they were getting free product, right? Well, Apple and Microsoft could not have more different cultures, yet an engagement survey, if you believed it, would say that they have the same culture. An engagement survey does not tell you if you have the right people in the right jobs to achieve the strategy you're trying to support. So what is culture? Because people actually don't have a clue. They feel it, but they don't know how to measure it. And so for the first time through psychometrics, you can measure culture. And so culture is the foundation of three things combined um, that explains how the behaviors are in a company, 
the motivators are of the people in that company and the work styles, what we call BMW framework. So culture is very simple. Three letters, BMW, like one of the best car, cars <laughs> out there. Well, your culture is BMW. It's the behaviors of your people, the motivators, or some people call those values of your people and the work styles. And no, it's not the values you put on your website and have everybody memorize or on your t-shirts. That's great. You want to have an aspirational culture, but I can assure you that every great company in the world, there is not one culture because if you go to Coca-Cola, their finance and accounting team Team culture should be very different than their sales team culture, should be very different than their marketing team culture. And by the way, Coca-Cola Brazil has a very different culture when you work there and live there than Coca-Cola Argentina or Coca-Cola Colombia. And so culture for the first time is being measured and it is around those three things, BMW, behaviors, motivators, and work styles. Uh, that, that is fantastic. And I, and I, I, I need to ask you this. If Within teams in an organization, culture varies, which, you know, is totally understandable because, you know, somebody who works in sales may not have the same motivator that somebody who works in, I don't know, accounting. In HR like or accounting, accounting or, or yeah. technology. Uh, how do you even shape culture in an organization, if that even makes sense at all now? Yes. So great, great question. It's almost like you've been in the space. So before a company can optimize any process, system, goal, or metric, They need to measure it. Up until now, companies couldn't optimize culture or even have a culture of intention other than you know, pasting four words of values on a website. But now that you can measure where you are, you can now say, this is our culture of intention for my team in accounting or for my team in sales or for the whole company. And now you can measure and track culture along the roadmap to that intention. And so there are products out there today that you can literally create a culture roadmap and see where you are on that path and measure it and, and track it and manage it just like you would any KPIs in the rest of your company around profit, production, quality, service, culture. And, and by the way, the space is being called culture as a service, yeah. pass, right? There, it is no longer an assessment tool. An assessment tool won't help your company. If it's not a culture as a service platform that allows you to monitor culture real time all the time, because culture will change as well. I mean, there was something called a pandemic that hit in March, 2020. And I can assure you that the culture of every company on the planet changed between 2020 and 2019 after COVID because working remote is a different kind of culture. And those companies that were able to change their culture succeeded and those that couldn't, didn't. Now, did they throw away their t-shirts with their company cultures and values? No, but the reality is, Work culture changed for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I need to ask you something. You know, what? how do we measure culture and use the right technology and have the right indicators and make the right decisions based on, you know, evidence-based, science-based data while keeping the humans out of it? And what I mean by that is, You know, I'm going to use this example of something that everybody hates, which or most people probably hate, which is performance management, right? I mean, performance management should be a process designed to help people grow and succeed at the same time that they are helping their organizations grow and succeed. But it became something completely different yeah. from that. And it became now a check mark, you know, on, a, on an annual basis to pay people a little bit, you know, 5% more uh, and whatnot. So how do we, how do we avoid going down that? road and making sure that we use the right data while keeping it human at the same time. It's a tough balance, 
but there are now the, the fusion of psychometric tools and technology allows that balance to happen in a very harmonious way where it's not big brother, but actually <laughs> it's, it's, it's enabling releasing the power of people made simple and it's allowing every human at work to be their greatest version, to be their happiest, to connect and vibrate and connect um, with others. Basically, technology with psychometrics is now infusing companies, the big corporate, you know, big boss, infusing companies with emotional intelligence. And so in a step-by-step -step process, what a company can do is they can get certain assessments that are not too expensive, that are on a SaaS platform or CAS platform, and they can measure with one or two or three tools the behaviors of their people in one day, the motivators and the work styles, sometimes in one test, sometimes in multiple, depends on what products the companies use. Um, and in one day they have access to all this insight, whether it's 300 employees or 3000, and it visualizes where they are. And then they also can visualize where they wanna go. Um, and, and then they can manage to that. And so it, it's, it's with numbers, it shows that you're maybe 20% of where you have to go. And then it breaks down for every employee what they need to change to be part of that future culture state. And so it allows people to become the best version of themselves, to know their strengths, their weaknesses, and their blind spots. And for every team leader to do the same assessment for their team, to know the strengths, weaknesses, and blind spots for a team. So the, the greatest application of this, I'll give two examples. If you have a sales team of 200 people, you would see the culture of sales overall doing this test in one day. And by the end of the week, you'd be pulling out your high performers, versus your mid and low performers. And you now have a profile of what the culture of high performance is in sales at that company. And so some people would get scared and say, oh my God, that means they're gonna fire the low performers. Well, no, they were gonna fire low performers anyways. This actually gives the company the tools and the insights to then develop the low performers so they don't fire them, so they can actually make them perform better. And then also to hire better, which is in everyone's best interest that you get hired by a company in a role where you actually fit with what performance looks like or the conversely where you are adding diversity of thought because half the roles at a company should be adding to culture and diversity of thought, not actually more of the same. A yeah. second example is a restaurant chain in Minnesota. Uh, they had a, a net promoter score on service at a two out of five. So people on Yelp, they did not like the service <laughs> at this restaurant and people were, 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 were not going there a second in their time. They also had a huge turnover, which also uh, exacerbated the, the problem of bad service because yeah. a new employee, every, every time you go, there's a new person taking your order at the, at the dinner table. Picture like Cheesecake Factory, like big 100-person uh, restaurant, massive. It's the biggest one in this town. And so they used a, a tool that does this kind of culture measurement. They saw what the culture was at their top 20 servers, and then they slowly started to hire with those insights, train the bad ones as to why they weren't performing, and they ended up within six months reducing turnover by 80% and their net promoter score and Yelp scores went up to a five out of five and became the number one performing restaurant in this city of about half a million people. And it was all because they actually were able to measure their culture, where the gaps were by employee and then hire to that culture fit all with data. I think Gordon Ramsay can use some of these examples in his uh, kitchen nightmares, you know, for his... Yes, <laughs> yes for I mean... His, uh, you know, for his assessment on, on restaurants. This is fantastic. I, I want to ask you, what, what, what I'm feeling here is that even the indicators that you measure on culture are evolving as well. Uh, because what you want to make sure is that not only are you using the right science, but that you're measuring the right things. And maybe 
you know, in a candidate-driven market like we have right now vis-a-vis, you know, an employer-driven market like, you know, 40 years ago, the kind of ways in which you measure culture where if they measured them at all back then, which I don't think they did, um, you know, are, are different indicators. So let me ask you this. Uh, what do you think are maybe the two or three main uh, indicators of culture that companies should be keeping an eye on to help them make determinations about, you know, change management or, you know, strategies, uh, you know, updates and whatever, whatever uh, they need to do to, to change. Interesting question. So I'm going to cut it, answer it in two ways. One, what they should not take account of. There are four or five things that companies have always taken into account when it comes to culture and hiring and all these things. And they've been mistaken and it's coming out now with data. Um, leadership. Culture does not come from the top. If it's a company of five people and you have a CEO running five people, yeah, it comes from the top. Yeah. But any company with thousands of employees, the culture does not go top down. Your culture goes bottom up. And so Procter yeah. & Gamble, where I was my first company, they had 120,000 employees based out of Cincinnati around the world. And they just always tell me our culture, it goes down to the last employee so that if we lost the top 10% of all executives, there wouldn't be a change in culture at all. Another example is Uber. Uber fired their machista, like uh, hypocritical CEO, it was a really bad guy, 24,000 employees, he got a new CEO. Did you know that the culture for 24,000 people did not change at all? No. Uber was in the press as like horrible culture because of one person. No, yeah. one person is not gonna change your culture unless you're a really small company, okay? Yeah. It is a bottom up thing. Two, benefits. People think that if you have cool benefits and you get free products to your employees or free work from home on Fridays before COVID or you get you know college tuition paid, that that's gonna make it a great culture to work. No, benefits are not long-term sustainable cultural things, yeah. okay? You can make everybody really happy at your company. That doesn't mean you have a culture of success. Happiness does not equate to success. Yeah. That's another mistake people make. Um, engagement surveys, which measures that happiness and the benefits yeah. if you're getting, is, is not gonna tell you if you have the right culture to succeed. So these are some you know, mistakes around culture and having people memorize the four aspirations on the website yeah. is also not gonna develop the culture. Culture really is getting the right people who live, work, and breathe the values and the behaviors and the work styles that will lead to success in the marketplace. Now, the second answer to that is people should realize that culture changes. The phase of the company, where your team is at, what products you're building, look at Starbucks. When Starbucks had COVID, they had the culture of baristas being really high performing behind the bar and doing certain tasks. Yeah. COVID comes, they now need a barista who knows how to walk outside the store and hand to somebody in their car. Same job, different skills. You might have a different profile, a different culture of success where maybe behind the bar, you could have an introvert because the customers came to them at the, at the Starbucks bar. Now you need a, a, a barista who actually is proactively going out to finding the customers and shouting into the group yeah. outside, whose order is this? Because you're not allowed in the yeah. store. Very different profile, same job, same company, and within six months, completely different culture. So I think it, it's being agile in the way you look at your culture. That is key. Just like you're agile in how you solve problems and you're yeah. agile in how you make products, culture, you need to be agile because what works for you this year might not work for you in three years. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Juan, thank you so much for sharing all these insights with me and the community. I think there's a lot uh, you know, in, in there for HR leaders, for business leaders to unpack, to think about, and then to bring back to their workplaces and, you know, get, uh, hopefully get culture right. And now we have, we have the technology, we have the data, we have the support. And uh, so there are no more excuses not to do the right thing for culture. So uh, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, Enrique. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. 
Thank you everybody for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.